we've been in the house for 30 years, so we both planted the garden together. My partner planted the caperberry bush, and now I tend to the garden. I'll be in the studio because my studio is down the back of the garden and I'll look out and I think, oh, that needs trimming. Or So while something's pickling, I quickly run out and do a bit of trimming or <laughs> tip pruning. I can hear the birds and yeah, it's lovely being in the garden. Mm. This is Object, a podcast about design and contemporary craft in Australia. I'm your host, Lisa Carl from the Australian Design Centre. In this series, we'll go behind the scenes of Australia's richest award for contemporary craft and design, the MAKE Award, Biennial Prize for Innovation in Australian Craft and Design. This episode's guest is contemporary jewellery artist, Julie Blyfield. Hear how Julie's entry is inspired by love and loss. You can see an image of Julie's work, which is a finalist in the Make Award, on your podcast app if you'd like to jump there before listening. Welcome, Julie Blyfield. It's a great pleasure to be able to have this conversation with you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Julie, for listeners who are unfamiliar with your work, what kind of work do you make? I'm a jeweller and a metalsmith, so I make a lot of brooches, neck pieces, earrings, and also objects, um, usually table objects, mm. and I use a technique called chasing. Ah, oh, very interesting. Which is a process of texturing metal using small steel tools. Mm. I place the metal in a pitch bowl, which has got uh, a resin-based material that you can soften and then I place the metal on the softened pitch and then texture away. And you hear a lot of tap, tap, tap in my <laughs> studio. And that's how I texture all my pieces. So I'm pre- predominantly making contemporary jewellery and metalwork. Mm. And you work in different types of metal? Yes, I do. I use silver. And I also have recently been using a bonded or bi-metal, which is a combination of copper on the one side and underneath the silver, which is what I've used for the piece in the exhibition, the award exhibition. Fantastic. Your work Memento Vivere, Remember to Live, is a finalist in the Australian Design Centre's inaugural Make Award. Congratulations. And how does it feel? Oh, I was so excited to get into that exhibition because I just put the piece in thinking, oh, it probably won't get in, it's not innovative enough. And So when I actually got the email and said that you'd been accepted, it's always so exciting to get into an award, especially, you know, considering they'll have there's a lot of people that are applying to, to be in those group exhibitions. So I was really thrilled to get in. So mm, fantastic. It's well, it's wonderful to have your work in the exhibition. Could you describe Memento Viveri for us? And if we look closely at it, what are the details that we see? It's a little wreath that I made and it's based on the caperberry bush. A few years ago, my partner died and he planted the bush in the garden. Mm. I made this piece after Chris passed away. He was my partner. And um, I made this piece as a sort of a a memorial to him, really. Mm. And I was navigating through grief, uh, which was complex, confronting, you know, 
out-of-body experience and so I decided I'd just make a piece for myself. So I made this piece and I took pieces from the caper bush, actual cut the bush and made the little wreath shape and then I transposed it into metal and I had to make each section and sort of sleeve the sections together um, after doing all the texturing and then join my pieces of metal by stitching. So I stitched and soldered all the pieces together to make up the, the, the circular reef piece. It's quite intimate in scale. I think it's about 22 centimetres wide by about 20-something centimetres high. Mm. And it's a wall piece, so that's a little bit different for me to make something that you look at on the wall. But I wanted it to be sort of positioned where people could look at it in an intimate way, in a very personal way. It's interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that story. It's a very personal story and yeah. really appreciate um, you sharing that. Well, for, yeah, if, for me, just getting into the studio was, I thought this is going to help me, <laughs> even though you sort of felt some days you had no energy. I don't know if you've been through grief, but it's sort of a weird experience. Not in this way. I'm, I yeah. Mm. Some days I just think, I've just got to do something. Mm. <laughs> you know, you sort of mm. force yourself. So it was actually good to just go and make something and just some days I'd just go in there and sweep the floor <laughs> and then do a little bit. But actually because I'm naturally a working person, I like working, I enjoy working, so I thought this is the best thing to do, just put your head into work. Mm, absolutely. We see in this beautiful work leaves and berries, but in a darkened metallic finish, it's quiet it's very evocative and it's dark and complex. We wanted to include this work because Julie is one of those jewellers and metalsmiths again who continues to push her practice into new realms. The scale of the work is very interesting and the way in which it doubles as sculptural object and potential jewellery object we found particularly innovative. I am Jason Smith, the Director and CEO of Geelong Gallery in Victoria, and I am one of the four judges for the Make Award. It's a very delicate piece. Yeah. But also it's um, just so obviously the caper berry. Yeah, with the little berry. Yeah. Well, the caper bush is absolutely the one we've got. I mean, Chris planted and I keep cutting it back and I can hear him say to me, you know, don't keep cutting it back. <laughs> <laughs> but you're but, doing it anyway. But I, because otherwise it gets out of control. But the berry is what you can pick or eat. But it turns into this beautiful flower, which is quite delicate. And it's got little fine diamonds, which are lilac and white tips. And the bees actually love it. And it's got a slight perfume as well. So it's a beautiful, that little caver berry is turns into this beautiful little flower if you let it go long enough. But if you want to get the berry, obviously you have to pick it before it flowers. Yeah, it's a beautiful bush. Kind of nice, you know, thinking about um, thinking about the, the continuation of life through, yes. through the bush as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. This particular work is an extension of the kind of delicate repoussé kind of smithing work that she's been famous for. It's a beautiful work and the level of detail in craftspersonship in this work is, is, is one of the finest in the whole exhibition. I'm Brian Parks, I'm the CEO at Jam Factory in Adelaide. 
Julie, the awards are about innovation in design and contemporary craft. How did innovation come into this work for you? You said earlier that you didn't, you, you, you thought, oh, the piece might not be innovative enough. But, you know, I think it was certainly innovative enough to, um, to, to you know, be chosen as one of the 30 finalists. And so there is innovation in there, yeah. I am sure. <laughs> I think it's, um, it's uh, probably that translation from jewellery sort of scale, you know, translating up to a little bit bigger scale and you have to be quite innovative the way you make things and when you scale up, it creates all sorts of other problems. So, and you have to problem solve how you're going to actually construct the piece and put it together so that the thing holds its form and holds its body, I guess. Absolutely. All that innovation in the <laughs> research and development yeah. and the um, prototyping and the, you yeah. know, the trialling and the testing uh, yeah. is all part of that design process, process. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And often, because I trained as an art teacher originally, so I learnt drawing, painting, printmaking, photography, all those sort of traditional um, art forms. And I still use now a lot of photography, although the, through my phone, still do drawing and often I make paper models. So I can quickly resolve ways that I'm making things and then because metal's expensive, so this way I can see, oh, that's not going to quite work or that will work. So I can weigh up my visual options <laughs> and look at the design of something and adjust things and then finally I can transfer that into metal. Mm. I think that is uh, that seems to me to be a way of working that uh, – is necessary because, as you say, the cost of the materials uh, is quite high and you don't want to waste that material. No, no, um, I recycle all my mm. scrap metal. It's all recycled and I'm very conscious of that um, mm. because, yeah, materials are very expensive and our resources are limited too. Mm. So mm. I try and be very mindful of that when I'm making. Mm. Did you use um, that method of prototyping by making paper models of um, the work in the Make Award? For that? piece, I actually took some cuttings of the plant from the caper bush mm. and then I linked them around each other and created the wreath form in the actual plant material. And then I did some drawings um, and then I used those drawings to as a maquette for then translating into metal. Because I usually um, transfer from the drawings, I might use some old-fashioned carbon paper, which is very difficult to get now. You have to find <laughs> news agents that sell it. And then I transfer the drawings using the carbon paper onto the metal and then um, use a fine texture colour and texture of my lines and then chase over those lines um, using a small steel and it leaves a little feathered line and it's beautiful little line that, from the tapping and then I, I re-anneal the metal and turn it over and then I push the metal in between the line work so it gets little pillows. You'll notice the work's got sort of relief form when you look at the front of it and that's work from the back as well. Like I like to leave the marks of my making there because I think that says something. I'm like one day I might hammer more vigorously or another day I might be a bit softer so I have to do things twice. It just depends on your mood on the day and, yeah. I think that's indicative of craft practice though, isn't it, Julie? Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the the maker really does make their mark on a work yeah. and you can really feel that in, yeah. in a piece. That yeah. It's the tactility of the pieces that, you know, that, that bring you closer to an understanding of the person who made the piece. That's right, yeah. And it's, I like seeing the marks made. 
on the back of my pieces, you'll see where I've just hammered flat areas before I've connected things. So they're all, all a bit there uneven. It, it, but that's part of the piece. But it's the back of the fabric, isn't it? Yes, yeah, the back of the fabric, yeah. yeah. With this work, at the beginning when I first saw it, it was kind of a very comfortable piece because it's using the material in a very soft way. Then I realized after reading the text that this type of um, ornament or a kind of wearable is specific for a particular occasion and it gave it more dimension to the work and as I researched more it's uh, it's a wonderful beautiful piece and I've seen that it's been collected and recognized worldwide also only that uh, because it's so somber and also it has that air of seriousness it's a piece that you really have to look at and examine my name is Hei Yang Cho. I've been chosen as the jury member for the 2023 Make Award. I'm currently the chair lady of the oldest academic association known as the Korea Association of Art and Design and also expert panel at the Loewe Foundation Craft Prize. Is that a unique um, stitching method that you've created for your work? Yeah, I, th I think I've just... I use it all the time. Yeah. Ah, okay, interesting. Yeah. So it's it's something that you have developed. Yeah. Yeah. I've looked at lots of plant collections in herbariums. And I noticed when I went to the herbariums, often the plants were stitched onto the accession cards. And I thought what a beautiful way of attaching the plants cuz rather than using sticky tabs and they were twisted through and stitched through. And so that gave me the idea of how I was actually going to construct my work. So I put two layers of metal together and I drilled two holes and wire through, twist the wire at the back and solder up the back. And so it's, I call it stitching. So it's like stitching the pieces together. And it's quite a strong method of joining. It's not riveting. So, and it holds the two layers together. For me, looking at new things, looking at historic pieces, you get ideas of how you can actually invent ways of making your own work too. Yeah, indeed. It's also coloured black and, yeah. and black is associated with death. And yeah. Can you explain how you come to have coloured the piece? I use a chemical colour actually, potassium sulphide, which is like rotten egg gas, it smells. You have to wear a protective mask and gloves to, to do it. And you um, put the potassium sulphide, which comes like in rock form, into boiling water and then it turns the water into this um, light brown colour and the pop the metal into that in, and then put it into boiling water and sort of go from boiling water into the potassium sulphide solution and it turns the metal black. It also turns silver black as well. But silver goes more of a grey black and what I loved about the bimetal or bonded metal with the copper, it turns more of a black black. It's a different, subtle, but it's a different sort of black. And in some places when you look closely at the, the little wreath piece, little bits of pink of the copper have shown through and I I quite like that sort of like a, a flesh colour showing through the black as well. And then after I've coloured it, you brass brush it. And if you over put it into the chemical solution, it can actually start flaking off. So it's sort of, 
I know now after doing it for so many years that you've got to be really careful not to make the solution too strong, otherwise it starts flaking off and then you have to sort of strip the metal all back and start again. So <laughs> it's a fine balance of, you know, making sure that you don't over-oxidise it when you're colouring it. Yeah. And then after that, it's all dried and I use a hairdryer from that to get into all the crevices because all my shapes and forms are organic and overlapping each other. And then I use an archival wax um, and apply that with a brush and a hairdryer and then that gets all into the crevices and behind the piece. And then I use a silk cloth to finish it by just buffing it with the cloth and that gives it a lovely sheen to finish. Julie, would you say that you were influenced by that tradition, that old tradition of uh, making jewellery, of the Victorian morning jewellery? Yeah. Well, this definitely has a memorial quality to, to this piece because it was referencing uh, the wreath and um, the memory of Chris. But um, I had, in the past, I have worked with a lot of Victorian morning jewellery as a reference point for making jewellery pieces. That was way back in the late 1990s that I had a chance to get into the Victorian Albert Museum and look at the wonderful jewellery collections there and also went up to the National Museum of Scotland and got into the archives there and looked at the incredible pieces that they had in the store. So I have used a lot of that Victorian morning jewellery as reference points in the past for my work. As this piece uh, was very personal to me, I think it's important to remember that when practitioners are making pieces, they're putting their heart and soul into the work and when you see the finished piece and it looks beautiful sitting in a gallery or sitting in on a shelf, you don't actually associate that that, that person has put in all their thoughts and energy and ideas into that piece and that doesn't often translate. I think it's really exciting and um, and also an honour to have, uh, yeah. you know, your work and, and the work of the other 29 finalists in the show. Yeah, so. it's fantastic. I think it's been a long time since we've had a big Australian show of a range of craft and design work. So thank you for organising it all because it's, <laughs> it's amazing. And also it's not always, always about the work, but it's about getting the community together as well. You know, it was so nice at the opening, meeting up with other practitioners, seeing the list of practitioners, where they've come from, from around Australia, and seeing the amazing diversity and quality of work that's out there. And you've just uh, been awarded another award, Julie, the um, <laughs> Jam Factory South Australian Icon Award. Amazing. Congratulations on yeah, that. Thank you. It's a great honour too to be that. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be seeing a, a solo travelling exhibition of your work. In yes, next year. Next year. So yeah. yeah. Looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing. Julie, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon for this conversation. It's been fantastic. And again, congratulations on being a finalist in the Make Award. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to be here. That's contemporary jewellery artist Julie Blyfield. Check out Julie's work on our website, along with the other 30 finalists in the Make Award. Go to australiandesigncentre.com slash podcast. In the next episode of Object... You'll meet ceramic artists and designers Matt Blackwood and Chilla Chongve. People come up to us and say, have you made that using a mould? It's not only just the way that the design looks, but it's the level of care in the making that people aren't necessarily aware of how that can be made by hand. 
Object Stories of Design and Craft is an Australian Design Centre podcast produced by Jane Curtis with sound engineering by John Jacobs. If you enjoyed listening, please tell your friends and colleagues about this episode or let us know on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.